0: Well, hello again. It's me. This is not the Kent Holland show, by the way. We're here to worship the Lord, and I got the luck of the draw again to open up a new sermon series. I—it's uh, called the Grave Robber—and so I began to prepare my message, and I gave him the final draft, and I had on the title the Grave Digger. Monster trucks. I mean, I had the—I had you know good intentions. But anyway, We're glad you're here today, and like I said before, I'm the worship pastor, and I, I covet your prayers this morning. Um, we're going to start this series called The Grave Robber, and basically what we're going to do over the next few weeks is we're going to be talking about the miracles that Jesus performed, and we're going to be studying out of the book of John, and, uh, and so today we're going to start with the John, the second chapter, where he turns the water into wine. That may shake a little of us up that are Baptists, but it happened um the the john chapter 4 he heals a noble man's son long distance how cool is that john chapter 4 he heals a man who had been sick for 38 years that wasn't no overnight miracle with the thing in your ear trying to you know manipulate something was it It was a real deal and then there's john chapter 6 he does the fishes and loaves that's a new math 5 plus 2 equals five thousand with 12 left over Come on, you follow me. Jesus heals a blind man from birth in chapter 9, John chapter 12, he goes walking across the sea of Galilee, and then John the 11th chapter is one of my favorite ones. I love this one. He goes out there to the cemetery and he says, "Lazarus, come forth" after he's been dead 4 days. And guess what happened? He came forth. And I believe as much as I'm standing here today that if he hadn't have called Lazarus by name, everybody in that cemetery would have come out when he said, "Come forth." Because that's the kind of God that we serve. Amen. We serve a God of miracles. And so today I want to go through this with you. Um, in your directory or your worship guide, we're going to read John chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 11. So I'm going to ask you to stand up with me. Is that all right if we stand while we read the word of God? Together? If you have your Bible, read along with me. I'm reading from the God's Word version. And uh, this is what it says. Three days later, a wedding took place in the city of Cana in Galilee. And Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had been invited too. And when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They're out of wine. And Jesus said to her, Why did you come to me? My time has not come yet. His mother told the servers, You do whatever he tells you. Six stone water jars were there, and they were used for Jewish purification rituals. Each jar held 18 to 27 gallons. Jesus told the servers, fill the jars with water the servers filled the jars to the brim and Jesus said to them pour some and take it to the person in charge the servers did as they were told and the person in charge tasted the water that had become wine and he didn't know where it had come from although the servers who had poured it they knew the person in charge called the groom and said to him everyone serves the best wine first When people are drunk, the host serves cheap wine, but you have saved the best wine for now. Cana in Galilee was the place where Jesus began to perform his miracles, and this is the point. He made his glory public here, and his disciples believed in him. Pray with me. Father, I pray you use me. I'm humbled by this today. You know my heart. I pray, God, that Jesus would be glorified in this. Lord, there are people that are hurting in this place today those that are broken, and we know that you are the God of miracles, and so we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us, and that we can hear a word from you in this time, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So I sent a a thing out earlier in the week, and it was talking about miracles, and and in the worship guide, there's a line there, and the question is, if I were to ask you, when was the last time you saw a miracle, what would you write down? I'm going to give you a second to write in there. Write in, when was the last time you saw a miracle? And while I'm telling you that, yesterday I was talking to somebody, talking to two people, and I asked them that question, and you know what they said? I've never seen a miracle in my life. One of them was 81 years old, and the other one was about 50. And I thought about that, and it just broke my heart. In 2007, I can't see anything with these glasses on. In 2007, how many of you have ever been to a metro uh, center like a train station in Washington or New York? Anybody ever been to those? You know the street musicians that sit in there and play various instruments? In 2007, the Washington Post conducted a survey, an an experiment, and they took a guy and they put him in there, and his name was Joshua Bell. And Joshua Bell took this $3.5 million Stradivarius violin, stood in the Metro Center and played a piece of Bach music, a Bach piece of music, on a $3.5 million violin, okay? The night before, he had played to a sold-out crowd where they paid $200 to see him from the balcony, and it was sold out. He stood in this train station playing his $3.5 million Stradivarius, piece of Bach music, 1,097 people walked by. He made $32.17. And 20 of that was from one lady who recognized him. She recognized him. You know, that's kind of how life is, isn't it? How many times do we walk like with blinders on and we don't see the miracle that's happening every day? Come on now. Come on. If we (laughs) don't see the moment of a violin player in a train station, how many God moments do we miss? One of the truest tests of spiritual maturity is seeing the miraculous in the monotonous. Think about that for a second. You see something all the time, and it could be a miracle, but you've gotten used to it. Imagine if there was a caveman living in a cave and he walked out and saw the sunlight for the first time. The sun came up. He'd be going, wow, check that out. Did you go like that this morning? Why? Because you see it every day. There are miracles, I believe, that are happening every day in our life. The Scottish essayist Thomas Carlyle said, it would be like a man living in a cave. We, make, we take miracles of God for granted Every day. That's the next point. There we go. Every day. So let's look at this Jewish wedding. Here's the story. Now, I was reading this, and I started studying about this. Do you know Jewish weddings last for a week? I'm telling you, when my two daughters got married, my marriage wouldn't have made it through that one. Because my wife would have killed me before we got through that with the luck we had on the one that we did with the daughter getting married in one day. Follow that? I'm not even sure I followed that. <laughs> Here's the deal. They, there was a week-long celebration, and they would celebrate the, the, the couple getting married, okay? And it was a big, big deal. People would come in, and that would go on for days. So here they are, and some people believe that Mary had some connection to this family because she's kind of like the go-to person. Did you pick that up in the scripture there? She was kind of in charge. And, and so, you know, they think she was kind of the go-to person. I, I was looking at that passage of scripture and she tells Jesus, you know, what to do here, right? Did you catch that? And we're riding along in the car this week, me and Jeff, and I'm driving and Jeff's sitting over here, Dr. Jeff Perry. He's not a doctor, really, but I said, Jeff, why do you think Jesus turned the water into wine? Jeff said, cause his mother told him to. <laughs> it's a good lesson to learn, Right. But here's the deal, in the culture of their wedding, if you ran out of a provision, if you ran out of something, it was a huge deal. It was embarrassing, it was humiliating. The same way as being drunk was humiliating. If you got drunk at a wedding in this area, it was humiliating. So don't take this wrong, okay? Don't get this wrong, what I'm saying. So Jesus is there, this couple, it's an opportunity when they're getting married to be like royalty because most of these folks lived in poverty, worked hard with their hands. And so for this week, it was a big deal and you didn't want anything to go wrong. Kind of like that three hours I spent in David's bridal shop that day with you with, for my daughters. Remember that? You didn't want nothing to go wrong, right? It was a big deal. Now here they are, they got this thing going, you got the background, and guess what? They run out of wine. Mm. And who do they look to? Mary says to Jesus, do what he says. And I love this story because it's a simple thing, but this is the first miracle that Jesus performs. It's when he starts showing what's going on. Up to this point, he's been working in a carpenter shop, right? Joseph hasn't mentioned in this story. So apparently, some scholars think that Joseph had passed away at this time. And I'm thinking, would you like to have one of those tables wouldn't you like to have all those tables that Jesus made in the carpenter shop? Oh my gosh. I bet it didn't go like this when you set something on it, you know what I mean? (laughs) Speaking of that, when when my daughter got married, we had 85 people. I got a little 1,500 square foot house, two acres, and we had 85 people come over for my daughter's wedding. This was my baby daughter. I told you about my oldest daughter a couple weeks ago. I got two, the youngest one. She got married, but she was graduating, and so Diane threw this big party and invited her family, which is like a tribe. And they all come over, and we got all these This is being recorded, right? <laughs> Bleep that out. <laughs> and so Diane's got this thing. Uh, she's got this dollar store table that, uh, that she's bought for five bucks. And it's got three legs on it. And one of them's broke. And she says to me, you need to fix that, you know, because we're getting ready for the same kind of scenario as this wedding. I mean, I'm doing whatever she says. So I go get this table. I bring it in there, and I put it on the hardwood floor. Brand new hardwood floor in the dining room. I go get my Black and Decker drill. Yeah. And Kelsey's standing there, which is my youngest daughter. And I go like this. And I go. And I got them all fixed. The legs are all good. And I go to pick it it up. I've drilled it in the floor. And my daughter's like, oh, dad, oh, 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 that, oh, you know. I was going to throw a blanket over it. Jesus' provisions are a lot better than that. That's what I'm trying to say. Amen? It's not no slip shot job, man. It's a done deal. And he met the needs of this couple. He met the needs of this couple, and that's where this is a beautiful story because he begins to flex his muscle here of, of what he, who he is and what he's, what he's all about. Let's go on. In a culture that's hard to do this, this was important you know, to have this miracle performed. Mary had faith that Jesus would take care of business. It was more uh, that Jesus, somebody asked, why did Jesus do this? It was more than that. Jesus cared. That's the point I'm trying to make. Jesus cared. If it matters to you today, it matters to Jesus. Come on, somebody say amen. That's good. I need to know somebody's looking out for me today. You know that the Lord cares about what's going on. Because some people think God's so far removed that he doesn't care about us. Well, if he sees the sparrow when it falls, guess what? He's, he's got it covered And I don't know why I get so anxious And excited about things, but I do, you know And sometimes I just need to Give it back to the Lord Ken Clore, one of my favorite people that was in this church That served with me, you know what he used to say Give it to the Lord, stick your hands in your pockets And leave them there and I'm like, oh man <laughs> You know It's hard to do, but I mean that's what the Lord You know, Mary said, take care of it Do what he says and walked away from it And he provided for that Regarding miracles, Einstein, I've never read this before, but I found this very interesting. Here's what Einstein said about miracles. He said, there are only two ways to live life, as if there are no miracles, or as if everything is a miracle. I choose B. I choose B. The fact that you're sitting here today, the fact that you're breathing, the fact that I'm able to breathe air, the fact that I was able to get out of the bed this morning. It's all a miracle. Did you know that right now, while you're sitting here, right now where you're sitting here, i got to read all this because there's a lot here, but listen to this. The planet Earth is spinning around its axis at 1,000 miles an hour. Your papers ain't flying out of your hands, though, are they? Every 24 hours, we make a a celestial 360. We're speeding through space at 67,108 miles an hour right now didn't even mess my hair up. <laughs> That's 80 times faster than the sound of speed, speed of sound. <laughs> Hold on, it gets better. <laughs> 1.599793 miles per day. A million point five, nine, nine, seven, nine, three miles per day through fa- space is what we're sailing. No wonder you're tired at the end of the day. Here's the point. Here's the point of that. You don't think we serve an awesome God? You don't think it's a miracle? You think this just happened? Look around. There's order in the middle of this chaos, and God set that into motion. God said in the beginning. God created. When was the last time man created anything other than a mess? I mean, we've never created anything, really, if you think about it. All we do is take something and change it from one form to the other. God took nothing and made something. And it continues to go. How cool is that? And that God that did that today wants to be a part of your life and a part of my life. That's amazing. That is amazing to me. Listen to this. Now, this one I really had to do some study on here. All you science majors, okay? You ready for this? Listen to this. The fact that we're talking about miracles. Genome. You ever heard that term? How many of you ever heard the term genome? Those of you that are in the science, yeah, medicine. All right, so here's what it is. Genome is a term that's used for our DNA. The King James Bible, this isn't the King James, but most of them are about that thick, has 783,137 words in it, the King James Bible does. Your DNA would be a three- billion word book three billion with a b this is 700,000 that would be like 4,000 King James Bibles lined up your DNA you want to talk miracles you want to talk miracles and he brought that back to life come back in about four weeks and you'll hear that story about Lazarus isn't that amazing that is amazing to me If God can take the simplest element and turn it into something flavorful and beautiful, imagine what he can do with your life. But there's one little catch here. You have to be willing. You have to be willing. You never know where God is going to show up, do you? You never know. I want to share a little personal testimony with you. The, the, The biggest miracle that I can think of I mean, all these things about science are amazing, um, but the greatest miracle that I'm going to be flat up, straight up honest with you is that Jesus Christ came and died on a cross for you and me. I love to laugh. You guys know I do. But I am as serious as I can be. God loved you so much that he sent his only son. You think about the person in the world. If I were to say, who loves you more than anybody in the world? Somebody would say my mother, my father, my kid, whatever. God loves you more than anybody How do you know that? Because 2,000 years ago, he sent his son and he interrupted history to bridge the bond between us and God the Father, to pay the debt. Jesus paid a debt that we could be in fellowship with him. I can't even comprehend that. That's amazing. That's a miracle. But the kicker is he takes everything but the first step. He gives us choice. Now, when I grew up in church as a little boy, I remember hearing these guys preach. I don't remember a whole lot about it because I had ADD and I was usually ripping pages out of (laughs) songbooks. I learned who they were dedicated for and all that. My father would say, we just bought that one. And uh, I remember there was a time in my life, though, when it started getting real for me. And I remember going to church and I heard this story about Jesus, about this Jesus. And how he came and died on a cross that I could have life. And you know what I did? I stood back there and I grabbed that pew and I remember this is what I call I called it the just as I am shuffle. Y'all ever do the just as I am shuffle? You know what I'm talking about, where you grab a hold of that pew in front of you, and you, just as I am. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I really want to trust Jesus, because I know, I know that he died for me, but I don't know. What if I go up there and I don't act like the rest of them people? What if I don't cry? What if I can't cry like them other kids are crying when they go up there? And what if the preacher doesn't, you know, and I had all this what if thinking, here's the deal, here's the bottom line. I was under conviction. It wasn't the preacher that put me under conviction. It was the Holy Spirit. And there comes a time in everybody's life, I believe, where we have to make that decision, whether we choose Christ or whether we don't. Because he came into the world, that decision is placed upon us. Because he loved us, that decision is placed upon us. What are you going to do with that today? What are you going to do with that miracle today? Oh, Kent, you don't know where I've been, son. Really? I bet we got some stories we could tell, don't we guys? But you know what? There's not one sin that you've committed that he hasn't already died for. And as I understand it, these guys in this book were a mess before they became a work of God. Before they were stained, windowed saints, they were pretty messed up, some of them. And God turned their lives around, so that excuse won't float. Well, you know, I just, I don't know, I don't know about, I don't know about all that religious stuff. I don't like religion either. You know what I like? I like Jesus. That's what I like. Because sometimes I think we divide ourselves with religion. Jesus said we're supposed to love each other, care about each other. And that's what he came for, that's what he died for. I gave my heart to the Lord as a young kid. And then there was a dark period in my life. I'm not proud of that today. I'm telling you this because you may be sitting here today. Satan loves to give you excuses as to why you can't follow him. In that dark period that happened in my life, I got hurt by church folk. You know what I'm saying, church people? Church people. I got hurt by a church person, a couple church people. How special. (laughs) And you know what? Satan used that to knock me out of church, being involved for a few years. And that was a lie from the pit of hell. And I'm telling you this because Satan will use whatever he can to keep you from being involved. And you know what? That person that hurt me, I started praying for him finally. I was like, you know, I can't win like this. I'm miserable. I'm going to start praying for him. Next thing I know, it was better. He hadn't changed, but it was better. What was up with that? That was the grace of God, wasn't it? It was a miracle, the miracle of forgiveness. So what I'm telling you today is Jesus came, the greatest miracle in the world, to die on a cross that we could have eternal life. And if you have never accepted him, I want to encourage you to do that today. I want to know what's holding you back. He's done everything he can. Now it's up to you. And I want to share that with you because that's a miracle. You don't need to be carrying all this garbage around. You don't need to have all this trash on your back. Give it to the Lord. Amen? Amen. We're, we're going to sing a song. And uh, I'm going to have a communion time and a prayer time. I'm going to ask you to stand up with me. I'm going to ask you to bow your head. I'm going to ask you to pray. What's holding you back today? What's keeping you from serving the Lord? Maybe you're a Christian and you just feel burnt out. Maybe you don't feel like, uh, feel like you have anything, a miracle or anything else going on in your life. What's holding you back? Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Rest. Isn't that a good word? Rest. Father, we thank you for this time in our service. It's a time where we can respond. We've heard this story today about the miracle that you performed, how you met the needs of a young couple at an event that was special to them. Lord, there are people in this sanctuary that are hurting today that have needs. And you're the answer to those needs and father as we take part of this service and we this this part here that we're going to do called the invitation we just pray god that you would bless it and that you would work your spirit would speak to our hearts as we celebrate communion maybe as we come together as families and take from the table whatever it is today during this time lord may we leave here saying it's been good to be in your house Father, I thank you for the one that gave his heart to you in the early service. And Lord, I thank you for the conversation that I had with the person on the steps as they were leaving, and they said, every time I come to this place, I feel better. God, that's our prayer, that we can feel better in you. We don't have guilt. You said, come to you. And so we're going to do that right now. We're going to give that opportunity, Lord. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.